Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Adiola Depot here. Thank you so much for downloading Fight Night Extra. Remember, we're here every single Tuesday live on TalkSport 2, myself and the great Gareth A. Davis. If you can't join us live, remember to subscribe to the Fight Night podcast channel. So much other great content there as well, such as Fight Night, Fight of My Life, and even the Mike Tyson story, the boy from Brownsville. This is Fight Night Extra on TalkSport 2. If you love your boxing and your MMA, this is the show for you. Fight Night Extra with me, Gareth Davis, and one half of the Fight Disciples. Yeah, Mr. Nick Pete, where we'll be discussing all the latest from the world of combat sports. Today, we're looking back on an incident-filled 2022 in boxing, both inside and outside the ring. We'll be attempting to pick our fighter of the year and fight of the year. We'll discuss the landscape in the heavyweight division as we head into the new year. It's been a memorable year for women's boxing with multiple contenders for both fight and fighter of the year. And we'll also discuss some of the unsavory moments in boxing Namely, the fiasco involving Conor Ben and Chris Eubank Jr. and what lessons can be learned heading into 2023. Don't go anywhere. This is Fight Night Extra on TalkSport 2. All the hard work's been done now. All the talking's been done. I think it's time now to put the fist, uh, fists on Kel Brook. And the way I'm going to... I am going to... I am going to break him down. I am going to outbox him and hurt him and... There could be a knockout in there as well. He's having a good look at this. Calbrook pursuing Ahmed Khan, and the referee has stopped it. Victor Oakland has stopped the fight. Jack Atrill's come of age, away from home, up in levels. Josh Taylor puts his hands up, but for us, it is El Gato who has outclassed the master at 10 stone. I'm actually embarrassed um, tonight because I'm promoting this event and uh, tonight is, is really difficult. Lee Wood is doing exactly what he needed to do, what I was asking him to do, and he's going for broke, and he's having success! It's over! It's all over! After a minute and 20 seconds of the final round, Whoa! we have seen one of the most astonishing turnarounds in a world title. Referee Mark Lyson was just about to wipe the gloves off and Dillian White stumbles forward and that is the key for the referee to call the fight over. It was a medieval uppercut 
from Tyson Fury. I've not been suspended, so as far as I'm concerned, the fight is still going ahead. Uh, I've spoken to Chris personally, and we both want the fight to go ahead. Chris Eubank Jr. against Conor Ben has been officially postponed. I want to make it clear that Conor Ben is not suspended by the British Boxing Board of Control, and we do feel that he hasn't been given due process like many others in this situation before him. Well, we're at the end of the year, Nick. Um, we're judging. I'll take you back to Josh Taylor and Jack Catterall. The Ben Eubank fiasco, as we heard there, towards the end in the package. Amateur boxing out of the Olympics in 2028. Just a few of the things that we can mull over. A few of the negative things, but give us your take on boxing as a whole. How would you rate it this year? I think it's been a really difficult year. There's been some incredible highs, as we heard then in the package. You know, there's been some wonderful singular moments and there's been some incredible journeys, especially in the women's side of the game. But overall, if I was going to give a score to uh, boxing, certainly British boxing from our from our viewpoint, from our island, I would say probably a D minus. And it would have been a lot lower, Gareth, if it wasn't for, as I say, the uh, the standard and the performances by some of our female fighters this year. I think it's been a tough, a really tough year outside of the ropes. And I think inside the ropes, there's been highlighted to us that the sport must and has to do better. We're just not getting the fights when they need to happen. And when the fights do happen, all too often, the officiating, the judging, the administrative side of the sport is letting these athletes down. Yeah, yeah. I mean, as a correspondent myself on the sport, one of the things I've found difficult, um, difficult writing is the narrative of the year in terms of the structure that the sport has. And it's been one of those years, as you say, that's pinpointed so many of those things, um, that's highlighted so many of the things. Like you say, we're not getting the fights we want. The structure doesn't protect the sport in the right way. There's no governing body that a world governing body that that pulls it back into shape um does do the do the sit do the do the strictures in place do the layers in place with the structure of the sport protect it when it most needs it no um you know in the amateur side of the sport we'll come into onto all of this you know can we afford to lose olympic boxing by 2028 no. exactly uh, in Los Angeles, we're going to have it in Paris in 2024. But the IOC are saying well, it's it's Iba now, not Iba. Umar Kremlev, if you, uh, who's the president now, the Russian, if you can't get the stuff in place, 
you ain't going to be in the Olympics. It's a massive, uh, massive loss. Um, those are some of the negatives I'm picking out there. We've looked at the negatives. As you say, there have been highlights. What are, before we get into the specifics, what sticks out for you as some of the standout moments over the last 12 months? Um, the standout moments, absolutely, with some of the the female fights. Again, we've got to start with those with the girls because you know the girls have really taken over. You know, and and while I'm a big advocate for improving some of the girls, certainly the girls at the very top to three minute rounds, I think that's destined to be their future. I think we can't deny that this year, it's been the girls that have delivered time and time again. Of course, we started the year in spring with a sensational fight, the first ever all female main event at Madison Square Garden, where Katie Taylor took on Amanda Serrano. That fight absolutely delivered in spades. It was wonderful, a wonderful attraction. Hopefully, we see part two uh, next year, which would be great. Then, of course, we got Savannah Marshall taking on Clarissa Shields here in the UK as well. That was a huge rematch, a huge grudge match. It was very much a one-sided fight when it played out, but that set up again to provide us with a potential rubber match in the new year. So that was a fight that delivered. And again, you know, there was a, a, even, even close to my hometown, we had, we had a lot of girls unifying belts, um, British girls doing incredible things. But of course, I've got to highlight a girl who's close to my heart who I've known since she was an amateur, and that's Natasha Jonas, who retired from the sport. Gareth came back in 2022 to give it one last crack. Moved up to super welterweight, had three fights and unified three world title belts. Absolutely incredible. Yeah, I mean, Tasha Jonas, you know, we'll come on to that later. For me, is clearly in the running for one of the for the fighter of the year. Yeah, um, no, no question uh, about that. Um, as you say, the women's boxing uh, was extraordinary. I think we got, um, you know, just chronologically. I think we'll come on to all of this eventually, but. I think we we got a, an amazing event with Khan Brook, uh, even though yes. it was five years late. It, yeah, we, we, event we, of it, the year, wasn't it? it? it I think it was one of the, it, yeah. it, it, it was a, yeah, there's an argument for that. I mean, I was at the two Fury Stadium fights, and we'll come on to that and dispute that. But being at those events was something special. Obviously, I'm there broadcasting for TalkSport. I get to go into the Fury dressing room. You know, so maybe that's coloured my view a little bit of it in terms yeah. of the Fury show. But Khan Brook, indoors, Manchester Arena, just reminded me of the Ricky Hatton days of old. It was it was an amazing atmosphere that night, wasn't it? It wasn't just the night, though, was it, as well? It was the three days leading up to it. Yeah. It felt like a huge fight. Yeah. It felt massive, you know, just being in, in around the weigh-ins, the hotel, the media. You know, it felt like a huge fight. Everybody in Manchester was talking about it. Every boxing fan in the UK was getting excited about it. And yes, it was probably a couple of years too late, as it proved inside the ring. You know, Amir, Amir just wasn't was a shadow of the of the fight that he once was. But it wasn't necessarily about what happened when the bell went. It was everything that led up to it, even right up to Kell Brook's ring walk, which has always been an iconic ring walk. But when they had the live pianist in the Manchester arena, it just went to a whole new level. So, yeah, I think I have to agree with you. In terms of event of the year domestically, that's got to be right up there. It was a bit special. Yeah, I mean, we're going to come on to fighter of the year, fight of the year in the next couple of sections. Let's go long for a minute because... Taylor Serrano is mentioned there. It was an extraordinary event as well. Um, one of those, one of those events that 
Um, I, I shall always remember the fight week was extraordinary. Um, they'd, they'd marshaled and marketed it brilliantly as well. First female fight ever to headline Madison Square Garden. We know what the magic dust is like is there in 140 yeah. years of the history of the place. The heart of Manhattan, the, the, the news pulse, they were on the, the equivalent of Great Morning, uh, Good Morning Britain, Great Britain. I'll, I'll get that right in a moment. What's it called? Good Morning Britain. There we go. Um, okay. Good Morning USA. They were on that show together. They, they yeah. delighted the audience. The arena was sold out. Billie Jean King was saying something. Female senators were all involved. All the female boxers in the world seemed to be there. Caressa Shields was there and Alicia Baumgartner. And boy, they delivered. And, yeah. and they really delivered. And you know what? I'm going to disagree with you on the minutes in the rounds. I think women's boxing should go to two 12-2s, first of all, before it goes to threes. We could argue about this forever. Um, yeah. Because I just think women deliver in two-minute rounds. I know that the knockouts don't come, but the action delivered. And I think that was that was emblematic of that, Nick. Yeah, absolutely. Listen, you know, you, nobody can look back at Taylor versus Serrano one at Madison Square Garden back in was it May, April, mm. uh, and have any kind of dispute about it. Never, de- it wasn't, de- it never delivered because for twenty minutes, it absolutely delivered. You know, and even the judges were divided. It was a split decision. I could see that. I could see both girls winning that fight. I thought it was really close and really sets us up hopefully for a, a sensational rematch in twenty twenty three. But you know. I think there is a bigger conversation to have here because you've got at one end of the spectrum, you've got girls who are domestic level, let's be honest, fighting 10, two minute rounds. And then you've got the likes of Katie Taylor and Chris Shields, established former world and Olympic medalists, multiple weight world champions fighting over the same distance that basically a novice man would fight over, you know, just for 20 minutes. Yeah. I think we are kind of robbing ourselves of some even more action. But yeah, yeah you're absolutely right, Gareth. How can anyone dispute that Taylor Serrano one wasn't absolutely perfect because it was punch perfect. Yeah, I, I'll never, ever forget it. it. It was just unbelievable. And and let's hope that, and again, you and I have been around a long time. We've known each other a long time in this sport. And, you know, to get an event next year, to get a women's, women's outdoor event at, say, Croke Park wow. with 80,000 in there, with women headlining. I've always said, and I, I, I've said it for 10 years, since Katie Taylor won at the Olympics in 2012, they could have put her on against Mickey Mouse and Croke Park. Against Minnie Mouse, yep. rather. Minnie Mouse, not even Mickey Mouse. <laughs> Minnie That's Mouse. a different show altogether, obviously. <laughs> they could, but you're right. And, and they, they could, they could out, you know, 10 years yeah. ago, that's been there for her, really. Honestly, they could, they could announce it, you know, Christmas week and say, Katie yeah. Taylor, Croke Park in April, May, open stadium without an undercard and simply by saying Katie yeah. Taylor versus yeah. TBA yeah. and every kid in Ireland would find a ticket in their Christmas stocking come Christmas morning because yeah. it's the big you know it's the biggest fight in the whole of UK and Ireland to be made in 2023 you know it's competing alongside Fury AJ as the biggest fight we can make domestically yeah. uh, because Katie Taylor is such an absolute superstar and again doesn't matter who's in the opposite corner i personally hope it is Serrano but you know what? A bit later in the show, I've got another idea as well. Well, I can guess. Is she Liverpudlian? <laughs> she is Liverpudlian, funnily enough. <laughs> and, it's, and it's not Molly McCann. There we go. Um, <laughs> um, look, let, let's, um, while we're on this long section and we're just looking at the year, I think let's talk about the heavyweights next. Um, yeah. As I said, two Fury fights. Um, there were two Fury fights at um, 
Wembley and Spurs and, mm -hmm. you know, 150-odd thousand people in those two events. We got Anthony Joshua in against Alexander Usyk in Jeddah, Saudi Arabia. That was a fantastic event uh, uh, and, and, and it was fascinating. Um, and we heard uh, Anthony Joshua there saying, you know, I, I'm, I'm not a 12-round fighter. Very emotional at the end of that. And then... Um, around about that time, we got the return of Deontay Wilder and the success of Joe Joyce. Let's try and encapsulate there maybe what we saw for from the heavyweights. What kind of year, for, in your view, has it been for those three leading British heavyweights? Tyson Fury, Anthony Joshua and, and, and Joe Joyce. I think Joe Joyce can be the only one that ends the year with any kind of um, fond memories of 2022, in my opinion. I know Tyson had two massive stadium events, but, you know, I, I was at the Wembley event. Um, I, I, at the time, I gave Dillian White no more than a puncher's chance, and that, that proved us so. I've got to be honest, I didn't even bother traveling down to London to watch the the, the Chisora fiasco because it was a non-event, you know? And, and for me, that's really disappointing because... I want to see the best versus the best. I want to see Tyson Fury, who's the best heavyweight of this era, define his legacy. And I think in 2022, he, he not only did he tread water, I think he went backwards a little bit because I've seen him beat up Jarek Chisora a couple of times before and nothing was ever going to change at, Wembley, at Tottenham's stadium. Um, so that was really disappointing from Tyson Fury's perspective. Uh, Alexander Usyk, of course, only fought once this year. That was the 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 the, re the performance against AJ. He's obviously tied up with a lot of things going on in his homeland and stuff. So you can kind of excuse him. I would have liked to have seen AJ get out again before the back end of the year. If the Tyson thing wasn't going to happen, it would have been nice to see him in with just somebody just to, just to see him get back in there and, and shake off that, uh, shake off those demons a little bit. So for me, the only domestic heavyweight really that's come out of it. I know Daniel Dubois picked up a trinket over in Miami for what that was worth. Um, but the only one who can kind of come away was Joe Joyce. I thought Joe Joyce had a couple of good wins this year. You know, he beat up Christian Hammer at the start of the year, the former European champion. That was in the summer. And then I thought against Joe Joyce in, in September, uh, Joseph Parker, sorry, in September up in Manchester. I thought that was a great performance from Joe Joyce. So he's the one I'm really excited about going into 2023. But these fights have got to happen now, Gareth. You know, we've got Joyce, Wilder, Joshua, Usyk, Fury. It's not hard. The permutations are there. They've got to fight one another in 2023. Yeah, I mean, the one thing... I, I mean, I'll take slight um, issue with you over Fury Chisora being a non-event. Um, that, that's fine you seeing it that way, but to get 50,000, 60,000 people in the stadium, outdoor stadium, in December... Amazing. Yeah, it and is honestly, amazing. And, and, I don't know how... I don't know how Frank well, managed that. I don't well, know. That well, was a masterstroke. Well, 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 it's the it's the Fury it's the Fury show, isn't it? He's crossed over. He's definitely yeah, crossed he over. There's this huge Netflix series coming out uh, about him, which I think is going to be fascinating next summer. It's going to make him even bigger. Third yeah. best-selling book. Um, the, the 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 he's finally got commercial deals now, where he's doing these Furosity drinks and all of those things, and the, the caffeine bubble gum and. Um, He's got the, the he's got the Christmas single out, you know, Sweet Caroline, you know. Uh, I mean, th there's 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 something to be said. But for... none of that's actually sports entertainment. No, though, it is isn't. It? That's, it isn't that's sports all entertainment. But what 
he was box office. I mean, I know because I was standing right behind him and I thought as it was about to kick off with the microphone for talks, as it was about to kick off in the corner of the ring after the Chisora fight, I thought, oh no, I am actually going to get crushed here for once. Just stand still, stay in the eye of the storm, hold the microphone. What happened with he and Yusick and Joyce in the corner was formative for next year. That, that was the best thing about the entire night. Yeah, but, then, but honestly, when we, went, when we went to the press conference afterwards, he was a box office. Yeah. We had Bob Arum, 91-year-old Bob Arum, in a scarf, a hat, gloves, a coat from Las Vegas sitting on one side of him. Frank Warren with a bad back, and I hope Frank's well again, <laughs> um, sitting on the other side of him. And they were box office, but Tyson Fury was box office at the press conference. And everything he said was true, I think. Joe Joyce is a harder challenge for me now than Usyk on paper, you know? And he, he, he addressed it all honestly. And, yeah. we, we, you know, sometimes when you leave, you think, oh, my God, we've got every line we wanted here. Anthony yeah. Joshua was not to be seen. I'd love to have seen him there supporting his pal Derek Chisora. And I'm not knocking Anthony Joshua there. And I'm not a Fury fanboy, even though I was on stage with him last weekend at Indigo in London. It's work. It's yeah. being around people who are, who are in our sport, who are big figures in our sport. I agree with you. He didn't advance his legacy cause in 2022. Um, for me, I'd like to see him fight those two and Joshua. Yusik, Joyce and Joshua. For, for Fury, then, the era's done. Yeah. In my view. But then I want to see Wilder in 2023. It looks like Anthony Joshua is going the Dillian White, maybe the Deontay Wilder as his second fight. It's a very dangerous fight for him. But Anthony, if you beat Deontay Wilder, everybody brings you back in the fold. And we've all got opinions. It's just us and our opinions. But you're back in the fold. You're back right up there. There's certain fights we need to see. This one of the disappointments of 2022 uh, for me, Nick, that we got teased with the Fury-Joshua fight again for a month. I never, I never thought it was going to happen. We're both t- tight in on the narrative. Never thought it was going to happen. And as you say, I completely agree with you. Joe Joyce's stock has risen. And the war- mouth-watering prospect of um, Fury and, and, and Joshua for the Undisputed in 2022, first time in 20-odd years, um, Joyce and Usyk, Joyce and Wilder, Joyce and Joshua, Fury and yeah. Joshua. They're fights that can sustain the heavyweight division for the next 18 months, not just next year or next two years. Final thing, really, I suppose, um, before we talk about fighter of the year, fight of the year, and the things that we may have learnt uh, from this year. Um, I think we've talked about some of the things we might have learnt from this year. Um, do we Do we think that Saul Canelo Alvarez still is still number one pound for pound. Before we just go to the next section, who's your pound for pound number one at the end of this year? Uh, it's definitely not. It's definitely not Canelo, and um, you know he, he remains the pound for pound number one pay per view driver. He, he remains the biggest meal ticket in the sport, but he's certainly not the pound for pound best boxer on the planet. I think it's becoming increasingly tough to rank Terence Crawford at the top purely based on the fact that. He's not actually fighting anybody. We need that fight with Errol Spence. That's the defining fight, which will really push him back to the top of the list. So for me, it's a conversation between three people. I think 
Dimitri Bivol had a sensational year. I think he will come into the reckoning of fight of the year, but I don't think he's quite done enough for me. So it's between Noya Anue, who we seen just last week, take on Paul Butler Tuesday morning here in the UK, uh, who is the undisputed bantamweight champion of the world and an absolutely ferocious puncher. But for me, I think at the top of the list, and nothing's changed from the start of the year. All he's, he only had one fight. He solidified his greatness with that performance against Joshua. I've got Alexander Usyk at the top of my pound-for-pound list, the undisputed and unified cruiserweight champion, and now the unified heavyweight champion of the world. I think he's been, remains for me, the target for everybody to look up towards. You're listening to Fight Night Extra on TalkSport 2. Still to come, we'll discuss our fight of the year. We'll also look back on the episode involving Conor Ben and Chris Eubank Jr. and what we can learn from that. But up next, we'll pick our fighter of the year. There are so many to choose from. He's still undefeated and still the seconds remaining and the referee Victor Lockland finally decides that he has seen enough TV cameras go on to Alexander Rusick Tyson Fury quickly across to that red corner declaring your winner by unanimous decision and the new unified WBC and WBO women's super welterweight champion Natasha You're listening to Fight Night Extra on Talk Sports 2. I'm Gareth Davis. Alongside me, my great advocate and pal, Nick Pete, as we recap the year in boxing. So, Nick, fighter of the year. Let me throw at you, Dimitri Bivol, the dark mm-hmm. horse of the light heavyweight division, fighting Saul Canelo Alvarez and coming out looking majestic, um, with a brilliant IQ in the ring, using his boxing skills, and then obviously beating Zurdo Ramirez, a slightly more, let's say, with a slightly more bloated uh, resume um, yeah. in the Middle East, but clearly making himself one of the standout candidates of the year because people don't fight four, five, six times, but he's got that victory over Canelo, who really is outside the heavyweights, the biggest figure in world boxing. Yeah, and I think obviously the magnitude of that fight, the magnitude of that victory and that performance is what has really brought him to the top of a lot of people's lists as fighter of the year. As you say, it's, you know, for a fighter to box twice, a champion to box twice in a year is kind of normal. Now three or four is a little bit more unusual. And we, we both remember the days when a champion would fight you know, six or seven times a year, but those days are long gone, unfortunately. So I think Bivol's performance against Canelo Alvarez, personally, I could see that. In fact, I even predicted that Bivol was going to be a little bit of a step too far at 175 for Canelo. So I wasn't surprised that Bivol got the victory. I was surprised he got his hand raised in Las Vegas because it wasn't a shutout. But, you know, thankfully the judges got it right for once. Usually you've got to knock Canelo out in Las Vegas 
to get a draw. So, uh, so yeah, I think the judges got it right. I think Bivol got it right on the night. And I think the, the Gilberto Ramirez, I think anyone that knows boxing knows the guy entered the ring, the Mexican entered the ring with a 44-0 record that was paper thin, that was absolutely exaggerated to the hilt. And Bivol exposed him on the night and, and won practically every round. So a great year for Dimitri Bivol. But I personally think there's a couple of candidates out there that have done things that are a little bit more out of the box, you know, a little bit more extraordinary, if you like. So um, let's talk about other male boxers, first of all. We go to the females as well. Does yeah. Alexander Usyk, you mentioned him earlier, does he deserve a shout in there? Does Noya Inui deserve a shout in there? Uh, for me, Usyk, you know, the rematch with Joshua, I think the first the first fight was so emphatic. The second fight out in Jeddah in, in, in Saudi Arabia, I don't think at any stage that I believe that AJ made enough uh, changes and sacrifices in that camp to turn that fight around, as was proven in the fight, even though it was given a split decision. Uh, I personally had no doubt that Usyk had won the second fight as well. So I, I overlook Usyk just because it was one fight. I think Inoue... As you say, unified the bantamweight division, looked absolutely phenomenal in doing so, but goes into pretty much every fight at bantamweight as the overriding massive favorite just because he is so talented. That's why he's up at the top of the pound for pound list. So for me, I'm going to go, I'm going to go a little bit more outside the box. I'm going to go for my personal male fighter of the year standout was Jesse Bam Rodriguez, the flyweight out of Mexico that at the start of the year, a five days notice stepped up to take on Carlos Quadras yeah. for the WBC super flyweight world title after Rung Versailles was injured. A five days notice, he moved up in weight division, put in an absolute stellar performance in a fight at the age of 21. I think he was at the time. He had no right to perform the way he did. And then his first defense, they put him in with Rung Versailles in the summer. Um, Rung Versailles was the ring magazine, the pound for pound number one in the super flyweight division. It was supposed to be a massacre. And what did Jesse Bam Rodriguez do? He stopped them in the eighth round. An absolutely sensational performance. And he rounded the year out he in did. September with another defense yeah. of his title against Israel Gonzalez on the massive Canelo Triple G3 undercard as well. So for me, three wins, a new world champion, a new weight division, um, a de defeating a ring magazine world number one along the way. For me, it's got to be Jesse Bam Rodriguez as the best male fighter this year. Yeah, it's a, it's a great call. It really is. Um, I was hoping you'd bring him up. That was the three incredible victories. Like you say, the one in the middle against Rung Versailles. And we know what he can Amazing. do. The wins, yeah. a win over Chocolatito. The wins over Chocolatito. So um, we know where he's come from. Um, uh, we're going to separate men's and women's. I I'm going to pick Dimitri Bivol for his victory over Canelo. Um, and I, I, I think, I, I think he even beats Baturbiev, uh, Arta Baturbiev, when they meet at um, light heavyweight, if they ever do, because obviously Anthony Yard fights uh, uh, Arta Baturbiev uh, in late January, which we're really looking forward to in London. What a, what a, what a, an escapade Frank Warren's pulled off there for, yeah, uh, for Anthony fight. Yard to bring Baturbiev. Thirty nine going on now, by the way. We know he's. What is it, 19 and 0, 19 knockouts, 18 and 0, 18 knockouts? He's phenomenal. He, yeah. He's at the, up at the top of the pound for pound list as well. Absolutely. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. He's certainly the leading knockout artist in the world per fight um, with mm -hmm. that 100% record. 
Um, I don't know how much we mentioned Deontay Wilder being back, but I'm glad the big knockout man is back. I shout to Deontay and all his people, bring him to the UK. There's yes, five please. massive fights for him over here that will sell stadiums out, if not small football grounds. Um, uh, in the heavyweight division, Nick, um, I think there's an argument that Joe Joyce was the best heavyweight of the year. Um, for me, I think his stock has ridden in, risen enormously. Um, we, we, we waxed lyrical at the top of the show about how we'd love to see him in so many fights. Is there an argument that he was the best heavyweight of the year? I think domestically, absolutely. You know, those couple of wins that he had, he looked absolutely phenomenal. So, yeah, again, it was a little bit frustrating, wasn't it? The heavyweight division, we didn't quite get the fights we wanted to see. But, you know, I think when you look at best performers of the year, you've got to look a little bit further down as well. I think Jared Anderson over in the US, the big 23-year-old, the big baby, as he's called, he's had a really incredible start to his career. Tyson Fury, sparring partner, of course, he's definitely one to look out for. In the future, we had the Olympic champion as well, who's come through at the moment. Um, he looks absolutely phenomenal, of course, uh, as a pro as well. So, yeah, I think it's been a Jalilov, of course. I'm talking about big yeah. Jalilov. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I, I think it's been interesting to look, have a little sneak peek at the next generation and, and what's coming through there. Dubois, of course, going out to Miami and getting a big win on paper too. But, uh, but yeah, I think 2023 is the time that... Because boxing's in a... In, there's a real argument right now that boxing's had a terrific year. I know we give it a D minus at the start of the show, but you also look at the fact that we've had more undisputed title fights in 2022 than any other year in the history of the four belt era, which means that it's got to be a good thing because that's what we should all be pulling towards, right? We should all be pulling towards one weight, one belt, one champion. So it's the, the sport becomes a lot more easier for the mainstream, a lot more easier for fight fans and sports fans in general to follow the sport. We all want to know who the number one is in each weight class, and it's difficult when there's multiple world title belts. So the fact we've had a bunch of undisputed this year, I think we've had three in the men's weight divisions and two in the women's weight divisions. That's five. You know, mm. over the last five years, we probably haven't even had five. So that's definitely progress. But the state of boxing, as we well know, in any era can be defined by its heavyweight division. And right now we've got some great heavyweights. Problem is in 2022, they just didn't fight each other enough. Yeah, no, it's so true. I mean, look, even at the moment, um, uh, Noya Nui at flyweight, uh, Devin Haney at lightweight, uh, Jamel Charlo at uh, light middleweight, Saul Canelo mm -hmm. Alvarez at super middleweight are all undisputed champions. There's about four other guys that hold three belts. Arta Baturbiev in the light heavyweight division. Um, We've got uh, Alexander Usyk in the in the heavyweight division, and I think yeah. there's a couple of other divisions as well. Uh, they they escape me right now. Um, Gennady Golovkin holding two of the middleweight belts. There's 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 we can I think we can be optimistic for 2023, um, and that's just in the men's, by the way. We can be optimistic yeah. for 2023 that we're going somewhere. Let me ask you this. <clears throat> Let's go on to. Um, women's boxing um it's been an incredible year as we both said <clears throat> um who for you is the women's leading fighter of 
2022. And let me put a let me put a just let me put it out there. We mentioned Taylor Serrano. Katie Taylor was extraordinary uh, in just the way she carried herself. Two victories in 2022, but she's being closely followed by the advancements of Claressa Shields and her her winning ways, the way she's carried herself. But <clears throat> I, I'm going to find it difficult. Chris Namus, WBO. Patricia Bergolt, WBC. Marie-Yves Marie Decare, IBF. Your very own, and I've known her years and years and years. I, want, I, I feel like I've known her since she was a kid because I've known her 15 years. Tasha Jonas, late 30s. Three weights, really, above where she belongs. Yeah. I mean, after her last victory against Marie de Care, Natasha Jonas, my feeling was, I don't want to, I, I, was, I was on Talk Sport Live at the time, saying I don't want to see Tasha Jonas against these much bigger women all the time. It worries me for her, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, Ben Shalom walked away because he was, he was peeved with me. Yes, they've delivered. She's delivered. Oh, my God, she's delivered. For yeah. me, and I'm going to put it out there first of all, for me, she's easily the female fighter of the year. Yeah, I think when you look at, and again, you know, as you say, there's the Katie Taylors, your Clarissa Shields, these are the girls at the top of the pound for pound list. But the difficulty with them, like Anoya Anue, is they're going into fights and they're, they're heavy favourites for a reason. Now, yeah. of course, Katie had a phenomenal, you know, legacy defining fight with Amanda Serrano. And then, you know, Clarissa had the big win over Savannah. But you could see there, there was just absolute levels between them. The difference here, of course, I know Chantel Cameron had a fantastic year as well. She unified the, the super lightweight division, which could be an amazing fight for Natasha down the line. But when you've got a girl who's, you know, and Tash won't like me saying this, 39 years of age now, um, a single mother from Liverpool who's retired from the sport more than once that got beat by Katie Taylor last year and was kind of staring down the battle of retirement once again. Only just beaten, and, by the way. Oh, yeah. It was incredibly it was a, it close. Was, it was a barnstormer. Another great fight. Honestly, every time they're put together, it's like lightning in a bottle, yeah. which is why she's got to be in the conversation for Croke Park, of course. Yeah. But yeah, I just thought Natasha last year, she looked like she was done. She looked like she was sick of the sport. And then they've kind of rolled the dice here. Joe Gallagher, Ben Shalom, they've got together and gone, right, let's get a world title fight, kind of in any weight division. Let's tick that box. Let's get that chip off the shoulder and let's go from there. And I tell you what, since she knocked out Chris uh, Namus in Manchester at the start of the year. That second round knockout, she has just absolutely took flight. As you say, big house next, uh, big up next, then Dick Hare. Three fights, three world titles. She's now the unified champion of the Super Welterweight division. I think she's had the best year by any female on the planet. And I tell you what, Gareth, talk about going into Christmas with a smile on her face. She is now sitting there waiting for the best offer because she's got Katie Taylor over here, need an opponent for Croke Park. She's got Clarissa Shields potentially coming down a weight, which is, you know, Clarissa Shields has, has been a unified champion at Super Welterweight before. So certainly an interesting fight, especially because Clarissa can only really make money here in the UK. So she needs the right dance partner. Is Savannah the right dance partner with such a one-sided fight? I don't know, but Natasha's now in that conversation. She's in a conversation about going back down to super lightweight and taking on Chantel Cameron for all the belts there, another UK domestic blockbuster. And, of course, there's only one belt left at super welterweight. And right now it's wrapped around the waist of Terry Harper. Terry Harper and Natasha Jonas 
put in one of the best fights you will ever see with two male f- female fighters on UK soil back in Eddie's back garden during lockdown. There's just four, and there's plenty more big fights out there for Natasha Jonas. She is best placed than any female on the planet right now to take in offers of title fights in 2023. And she deserves it, Gareth. She deserves it for sticking with it. She's shown that mentality, a champion's mentality. Mm. She deserves everything she's got at the moment. I wonder if you've ever seen two men fight at featherweight for a world title and then fight at light middleweight for a world title. I'm not sure we have. But anyway, that's just the way it is at the moment. Great stuff, Nick. You're listening to Fight Night Extra on TalkSport 2. Still to come, we'll discuss the fallout uh, the Conor Ben fiasco has had on British boxing. But up next, we'll discuss some of the fights of the year. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Who gets this? Vanessa Shields. Sarah Shalali. Has she done enough here? The 
You're listening to Fight Night Extra on TalkSport 2. I'm Gareth Davis. Alongside me is Nick Pete as we recap the year in boxing. Right, Nick, uh, there's a few standouts, um, but let me throw these ones at you and let's top and tail them. Um, many people's fight of the year is Lee Wood versus uh, uh, Michael Conlon. For the wow. Si- yes. Oh, yeah. I rewatched it a couple of days ago, by the way. The incredible drama, the knockdowns, the, the way it finished, the dramatic way that Conlon fell out of the ring. What do we think about a rematch? Let me throw these others at you. We've mentioned it already on the show. Taylor against Serrano, um, which opened the door for Croke Park in 2023. That's one of the, the big um, events of 2022, one of the great fights. Shields versus Marshall, we've um, mentioned that. Topped off an incredible all-female 11 fight card. Um, will they rematch next year? Big Joe Joyce against Joseph Parker, the stunning KO by Joe Joyce, and his stock has risen. There's a few of the fights there. Are there any others that you want to bring in that you thought were fights of the year? Yeah, I think. Listen, I think domestically you've kind of hit the nail on the head there. The fights involving UK fighters, they they were the, absolutely the pick of the bunch. I would also throw in some international matchups. You know, the, the Jamel Charlo versus Brian Castano yeah. part two was an absolutely incredible fight. You know, that was a the first fight was a draw at the start of the year. The second fight was absolutely phenomenal. Then you had Juan Estrada taking on Chocolatito for the third time. Can you believe it? Lightning in the bottle once again. It completely and utterly yeah. delivered as well. So, yeah, you know, I think Errol Spence versus, <clears throat> excuse me, Ugas was a great fight this year. Mar- Marius Bredas getting beat over in Australia against Opataya was a wonderful fight as well. So, Zapeda versus Progre have got on my list too. So, yeah, as always, you know, boxing consistently dis- delivers these wonderful fights. The problem is, that they're here, there, and everywhere, aren't they? I know a couple of those fights, Breeders, Opatia, uh, weren't even on UK TV. And that's really disappointing, of course, because as fight fans, we want as many people as possible to be able to see these fights. But yeah, my, my pick internationally would probably be Charlo Castano too. That, that was something a bit special. Absolutely. You know, there's, there's um, so many great fights that have that have gone on through the year, and I'm glad you. Wood Conlon was the one that wasn't. Yeah, Gareth, I, I think honest. so. I mean, I, I, Wood I, Conlon. Think, I think when we when we look at fights of the year, it, it very often it's someone's gone down early and got up, and they they defy the odds because because Wood looked dead and buried in the first few rounds. He was he was down early, which we weren't expecting. And then you watch someone struggle through through their their their, their tensile strength leaving them, and you watch them, you watch the survivor in that person, and then you see them grow again, and then you see them come back, and then you see them fight their way back, and then you see them battered again, and then they make inroads into the other fighter, and and Conlon is an extraordinary boxer as well as fighter, and yeah. then and then that. That knockout finish where he needed a knockout to win, it was just extraordinary. And, and uh, you know, and I don't know. I, I don't, you, you can't find fights that deliver as much as that. And for me, it had all the drama and theatre that, that, we, that we want from a fight of the year. Yeah, listen, the fight of the year has got to be something that appears to have come out of a Hollywood script. 
You know, it yeah. appears to be yeah. too fanciful and too too fairy tale to possibly be true. You know, and that fight was exactly that. The fact that it was in Nottingham, Lee Wood's hometown, the fact that he did take his shellacking, that he did come back for it, the fact that the knockout came in the 12th round and he punched them through the ropes and, Lee, and, and Michael Conlon fell out of the ring. It was just a rocky movie, wasn't it? It was yeah. a rocky movie type of fight. That is the type of fight that you come away thinking, wow, I, I never went to Nottingham that night and it's my only regret of 2022 was not being in Nottingham Arena for that night because for me it was it was the standout 12 rounds of the year phenomenal stuff and as you say it's all set up now they've i know lee woods had a few frustrations with injuries and stuff defending his title but michael conlon's come back in a massive way had an incredible knockout win back in ireland just last week so i think that's set up perfectly if if lee wood can keep his belt i know he's got a, a tough defense coming up but i think that's got a Got a rematch again in the spring or summer, surely. Yeah, and also with Josh Warrington having lost and that being a natural fight for Lee Woods, with Josh having yeah. um, lost to uh, to Lopez, to Alberto yeah. um, Lopez, it, it kind of positions that rematch as wonderful, really. I mean, I, th- I think when, when you've had a fight like that, it does lend itself to a rematch. And... You know, I, I've got a feeling we're going to see a similar fight second time around, weirdly, you know? Yeah, um, I hope so. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> you're listening to Fight Note X on TalkSport 2. Next up, we'll turn our attention to some of this year's unsavoury moments and ask what can be done to make sure we see less of them in 2023. I've not committed any violations. I've not been suspended. So as far as I'm concerned, the fight is still going ahead. I've spoken to Chris personally, and we both want the fight to go ahead. Chris Eubank Jr. against Conor Ben has been officially postponed. I want to make it clear that Conor Ben is not suspended by the British Boxing Border Control, and we do feel that he hasn't been given due process like many others in this situation before him. It's a reputationally awful look for Matchroom, a reputationally awful look for Wassermans, it doesn't look so good for the zone because they were the broadcaster that were going to carry this fight, and I didn't hear them piping up saying we're going to stand this down. Three judges' cards are all that matters, but have no doubt that was Jack Cattrall's night. He was absolutely brilliant. Victor Laughlin scores about 113-112 for your winner by split decision. And still... You're listening to Fight Now Next on TalkSport 2. I'm Gareth Davis with Nick Pete alongside me as we recap the year in boxing. Here's the dirty bit, and we've left it till last. Boxing's bad moments. And there were a few of them. We've all felt a bit down and depressed by them this year. Probably the biggest, certainly here in the UK. Um, and, and the repercussions were felt around the world. Different people commented on them as they broke. But the, the Chris Eubank Jr., Connor Ben fight scheduled for October the 8th. Two positive doping tests for Connor Ben. The case is still ongoing. 270 page document um, I, I revealed last week uh, in the Telegraph after speaking to Mauricio Suleiman has been sent to the WBC. And I expect 
a 270-page document, the same document, has gone to UCAD and the Boxing Board of Control to defend Conor Ben's um, belief that his, his samples were contaminated is the defence for clomiphene, uh, which scuppered that event. But it, was the, it wasn't just the two big tests that were, I don't know, hidden, but Nick, but they came out very late. The promoters tried to push through, and this story has become bigger than Conor Ben's drugs tests. It is how boxing polices itself, how boxing reveals itself, how boxing presents itself to the wider world. It did not look good, and it still doesn't look good, in my view. No, it's still uh, an absolute stain on on the year for sure, and and I think a few people have still got the stench of that of that fiasco on them, namely Conor Ben, uh, and namely both promoters that were involved in the matchup and the broadcaster as well to try and force it through and hoodwink not only the public but evidently Chris Eubank Jr. in some way, shape, or form. Um, I think is unacceptable. I think the fighters that were scheduled to be on the undercard who suffered from it as well, not just the the home fighters, but the the, the the visiting fighters too who missed out on the you know the best payday of the year and everything else. There's there's no way you can look at that the fiasco and it was a fiasco um, with any kind of positive light. You know the the British Boxing Board of Control where the spotlight was put on them and it was just highlighted once again that that is quite clearly a organization that's not no longer fit for purpose in terms of governance of the British boxing. Um, and I think Eddie Hearn, who, let's be honest, Eddie Hearn has been phenomenal for boxing over the last decade, what he's done with the sport. If you remember where it was, Gareth, me and you were sitting in leisure centers 15 years ago yeah. with, with 300 people watching world title fights. Um, and he was the one that, you know, closed ranks with Sky Sports initially and, you know, built the sport back up. And then, you know, obviously everybody else has kind of grown off that. And, he, and he's almost not put a foot wrong over the last decade. But I thought last year was an absolute disaster for Eddie Hearn, even potentially even more so than Conor Ben. Just the manner in which he tried to push that fight through. He tried to use loopholes in terms of it not being UKAD, that it was USADA and everything else to... To, to to basically force the board over the line. Vada, yeah, Vada. Vada, yeah, sorry, yeah. yeah. He tried to force the board over yeah, the line yeah. with a fight that obviously himself and his broadcast partner were financially very invested in. Yeah. The whole thing stunk at the time and still absolutely stinks now. We can't let it just fizzle away. I refuse to let it fizzle away. Mm, I agree. Um, we still have to get some serious questions answered. There still needs to be a full internal investigation. The problem is, as you say, we don't have a global governing body in the sport of boxing. So um, it's up to us as senior members of the media, it's up to the fans to demand answers, to demand an inquiry, and then ensure that nothing like this ever happens again. Yeah, I mean, I mean, just recently, I mean, I, this is a, you know, a situation for boxing that, that needs clarification. I mean, I, I, I wanted to sit down with Eddie Hearn and look at the situation and say, if you had it over again, would you do it differently? And, and you know, I've, I've been accused of going rogue on him over it, and I'm not. I'm just doing my job. The narrative, if you're a correspondent at the moment on boxing, that story is utterly depressing because yeah. it clearly, when, when Chris Eubank Jr. has now said, look, fighters are all... He, he agreed that he'd go ahead with the fight when the first test was made 
um, public and he'd know, known about it behind the scenes. Of course he will, because he's a fighter yeah. and he's he's set to earn three million plus. Millions from, of dollars. Yeah, exactly, exactly. exactly. So he's going to do that. But since then, since the second positive test that came to light, that we only found out that came became public later, yeah. He said, I wouldn't if there'd been two tests in July and September. Or so, so, yeah, July and early September, weren't they? The two tests. The WBC cares, the first one, why, that, yeah. which is why they presented this document to them. And the second one with VADA that's been passed over to UCAD in the Box and Border Control. Um, we cannot. And, and, and the reason why, why this stinks, as you say, is we cannot allow, and, and nor should the promoters nor, nor the authorities, allow an event ever to go ahead when someone has tested positive in the lead-up to an event for PEDs in a sport where you can be legally killed in the ring. It's an inherently dangerous sport. It's not tiddlywink. It's not a tickling competition. Mm -hmm. It's not even it's a 100-meter sprint. It's, exactly. Yet, yet you are punching someone and the you are trying to render them unconscious. Now, we saw the emaciated figure at 157 pounds of Chris Eubank Jr., who had not been that weight since he was 18, 14 years ago and it was it was frightening when you looked at that because all you pictured was a weight drained fighter in against a guy now i'm not saying he won't i'm not saying he is um patently a drugs cheat because he may find his own defense through yeah. this 270 page document which is a very long document by the way incredible uh, yeah um but it was the thought of being there at an event that the promoters wanted to push through where this positive test, no matter whether he knew what he was putting in his body or not, that it could go ahead. Boxing can be accused of being ethically and morally wrong whenever anyone wants to, 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 to pillory it. And it does. Whenever it goes wrong, the mainstream pillory it. But in a case like this, we insiders in the sport need to pillory it and have, and I have not given up on it because I want to see people involved in it go, do you know what? If I had it around a second time, I'd never do that again. So that when we do come to this situation again, Nick, they go, yeah. right, this is what's happened. Here's a press conference. We believe our guy is innocent. We want an inquiry straight away. The fight is postponed until the inquiry is done. Yeah. End of. Yeah. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And, and, you know, whether Eddie would admit to it or not, I think he would, I'd be very surprised, known his character, known him, you know, on a, on a, on a, 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 as much of a personal level as any other media member can do. But I'd like to think that he's got huge regrets about the way in which that was managed. Um, I'd like to think that because I like the guy. Yeah. Um, um, because it was absolutely nothing short of disgusting, you know, putting, putting a fighter at risk like that, um, which is, allowing somebody and, and more than anything else f trying to force connor through if if that was the case with a fight where he had to clear his name first it wasn't a case of well let's just do the fight and then we'll readdress it that's completely and utterly unacceptable because there's only one way connor ben gets his name cleared via his extensive documents and that is if vada come out and say sorry we messed up it's our problem we got it wrong. We take full liability. We take full blame. For them to take full blame on two separate testing occasions, if, if, if you know, I, I see Connor's claiming it, it was a tainted, tainted sample. That means Varda have got to take the blame twice. I've never known Varda to take the blame once. So today, for them to take the blame with both an 
with two two separate testing incidents would be highly unusual, but maybe they will. But that's the only way yeah. Connor Ben comes out of this in the clear, which, you know, he keeps saying, I will prove my innocence. The only way he proves his innocence is if it's Vardic claim responsibility entirely. Otherwise, it doesn't matter whether he knew it was in his system or he didn't know it was in his system. He is, he must take responsibility for that and he must face punishment. Now, whether that's six-month ban, 12-month ban, two-year ban, that's not for me to decide. But he must face a ban. He must face up to the responsibility of his actions. Likewise, Eddie Hearn and the Sowlands, who were the two promoters involved, they need to take some responsibility yep. and somebody needs to in, hit them with some kind of... Um, Disrepute whether it's, charges? Yeah, they, they need yeah. to answer for what they did as well. They mm. can't just now ride off of the sunset and go, well, Connor's going to get us punishment. He'll be back in six months. You bank quit, are you? We'll do the fight again. No, yeah. Yeah. That, that's unacceptable. Yeah. They must face some kind of repercussions for bringing this, dragging the, the sport through the gutter. In which them in the manner in which they did, and again, I th- I think Eddie at least I'm sure Eddie at least has got some remorse for the actions he took. I'd like to think he has. Yeah. But still, they have to face some kind of sanctions. The problem is, who's going to sanction them, Gareth? Yeah. That's well, the problem. Well, you know, I mean, like I said, that's why I was pushing for an interview to see where 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 he he could be asked about think about your regret hopefully we'll get him at some point anyway and and, and we'll get him on our show um and like you say from 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 that to one of the other big issues in boxing uh, just before i get your thoughts on 2023 very quickly um judging this year we judging's always an issue judging will yeah. always be an issue i think you know i've been around long enough to know that it is every year we get a couple of these uh, jack catterall Josh Taylor, um, you know, I mean, I, I had it for Catterall by a couple of rounds as well. Yeah, I know that you have, you've been very vocal about it all year, um, yeah. as is your Fight Disciples partner and my partner on Fight Night, Adam Catterall, that we, you know, that, the, the, you know, it was wrong and, and the guy was really robbed of the belts. He should have got the opportunity to win the belts. What do we do about judging? Um, what do we do about human error? Um, I don't think anything's fixed. I don't think it was fixed, the result. I just think there's this um, mentality around boxing, you know, that, that we see the, the, the great champions or the guys who are highly ranked kind of get the favoritism. That's why we use expressions like a house fighter and away fighter and home fighter and all yeah. these things. They're kind of, it's part of the the nuance and the kind of, and the language of boxing that we should be listening to and saying, we need to break that up a little bit. Let's break the mu- let's break this scar tissue up a little bit here and let's redress it, you know? Yeah, I, I, listen, I think, um, <clears throat> you know, football's tried to eradicate human error by introducing things like VAR. And I think all it's done, it's taken a passion, it's taken the pace and it's taken, you know, the, some of the love for the game that fans have. Fans can't celebrate in stadiums anymore because you're waiting to see if VAR is going to, cancel out the goal or not. And I think that's detracted away from the sport. Some elements of human error <clears throat> in terms of football is just part of the game. Was the ball over the line? Was it not over the line? That's all part of it. I, that, I, I embrace that side of it. The problem with boxing is, unlike football, there is no singular rule set. There is no singular code of conduct on how to score a fight. <laughs> the IBF, the WBA, the WBC, and the WBO 
all have their own way of scoring a fight. They mm. all have their own breakdown of what officials should be looking for in terms of scoring a fight. The British Boxing Board of Control, which hosted this fight up in Glasgow, they also have their own breakdown on the website of how to score a fight. It's two sentences. Fantastic. That, that's really, really knowledgeable. Great. But you look at, you know, WBCs is quite extensive. It's a booklet, in fact, on how to use the 10 must scoring system. The WBA, their second most important thing to look for in scoring is um, is sportsmanship. How can sportsmanship even come on the, the 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 scale? How can how do you score sportsmanship? A guy that shakes hands at the end of the fight, absolutely ridiculous. I think boxing, more than anything else, needs to have a unified scoring criteria that every governing body uses, that every sports athletic commission uses, that every governing body belt association adheres to also because right now depending on where you are in the world depending on what belt you're fighting for you could argue well i'm scoring it using your scoring system or i'm scoring it using their scoring system it's not clearly defined and i'm trying to play devil's advocate here because let's also throw into the mix that we have got some horrific officials in the uk really really poor consistently poor we know who they are. I could list them right now for you. I won't do that, but I could. I don't need to because boxing fans know who they are as well. There's four or five or six or seven familiar names that have been around for over a decade that are way past their retirement. And the I run I that that thing is we seen Ricky Hatton come back this year for an exhibition with Marco Antonio Barrera. Nice bit of fun. Raise some money for charity. Lovely. Gets them both nice fit and active. Fans got what they wanted. It was a legends, public spa, beautiful. Do you know what I loved about it most, Gareth? Mickey Van was the referee. Mickey Van was back. Mickey Van was one of the best officials this country has ever had, certainly of the modern era. And because he hit a certain age, he was pushed into retirement by the border control. Meanwhile, there is a lot of completely out of shape and out of touch officials that are still you operating week in, week out, delivering horrific scorecards and with no kind of repute, with no one to answer to. Again, it comes back to the border control and where they are right now. I think we need to get our own backyard sorted first. We need to sort out domestically our officiating, our scoring system, everything else, and then encourage the rest of the world to follow suit. Until boxing has one singular scoring criteria, horrific scorecards, and that's what it was. Don't let Glasgow and time fade away. Catterall Taylor was a horrific set of scorecards. Jack Catterall should have been the unified champion of the world in February. And by now, we should be up to fight number two or maybe even fight number three because I think Josh Taylor was off that night. And by now, they could have appeased it and we could have had it sorted. But unfortunately, because of the horrific scoring, it's allowed Father Time to grow some distance. No, we can't let that happen. We must, we can do better. We set an example in this country on how to... um, how to attend fights and attend to injured fighters. We see it all the time. We have we are the benchmark for the rest of the world when it comes to fighter safety, medical scans, everything else, paramedics on the scene. The rest of the world looks at us in awe. We need to we need to then cross over into the scoring criteria and show the world how to score fights too. Yeah, great words. Young blood and all those differences needed. Um Nick, we're we're nearly out of time. <clears throat> 
2023, I'd like to see Errol Spence and uh, Terence Crawford. Oh. Um, At last, please. I'd like to see Tyson Fury and Alexander Usyk. I'd like to see uh, Deontay Wilder and Joe Joyce could be one of the fights of the year, one of the most exciting. Yep. Uh, the biggest thing I'd like to see, though, I think is amateur boxing back in the uh, Olympic program. Um, Essential. What's your one thing or things that you'd like to see in 2023 before we sign off? I would like to see a unified heavyweight champion of the world, uh, an undisputed, sorry, heavyweight champion of the world. Uh, I'm probably a pipe dream to think it would happen here in the UK, but there's nowhere else they're going to fill a stadium. That would be sensational. I would love to see AJ come back with some big wins and featuring some big fights again. I think that means him relocating to the US personally to get the eye of the tiger back, if you like. But, uh, you know, let's come back full circle to that fight. Taylor Cattrall has been spoken about for almost 12 months now. They need to do a rematch. It doesn't matter that all the belts aren't on the line anymore. I think Josh Taylor and Jack Cattrall have got something to settle inside the ring once and for all. And who knows, it could lead to one of the best, best trilogies in the history of British boxing. So, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave you with that one. And, of course, a big fight for Tasha, a big fight for Natasha Jonas, whether it's Clarissa or Katie Taylor, I'll take either. That's a big Christmas stocking. Um, you've been listening to Fight Night Extra here on TalkSport 2. My thanks to Nick Pete for a great show today and a huge thanks to everyone who's listened this year and downloaded the podcast. We'll see you all in 2023. That's it for this week. Thank you so much for downloading our Fight Night Extra. Remember, we're back every single Tuesday for more great content. And if you miss us, make sure you subscribe to Fight Night to catch up on all our other episodes. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards... Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, tap to pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how tap to pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.